Welcome to the Arise podcast with Danielle Castillejo and Maggie Hemphill, a podcast about faith, gender, race, justice, and the church. Today we have with us uh, an awesome guest from out of town, came all the way from California. We are so glad you're here. Uh, Sion Edgerton. Is it Sion? Nope, it's Sion. Okay, perfect. You nailed Sion it. Sion Edgerton. Uh, tell us who you are and what you're up to. I am Sion Edgerton. Yes. I am a mother of three. I'm a wife of one. Um, I am, <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify, um, I'm a pastor, I'm a writer, and right now the biggest thing that I'm really excited about, um, I've got an organization that I'm starting that is working to develop marginalized leaders. And so leaders whose voices have been marginalized for whatever reason. We've got uh, online subscription community, we've got a podcast, we've got courses, um, we've got online coaching that we're going to be doing, and so really just a heart to develop leaders. That's so awesome. How did you get started in that? Like what, what brought you into uh, leadership that you're going to train leaders? Oh my goodness. You know, this has been a dream um, for a really long time that's been building and growing for me. I actually started life as a public educator. I used mm -hmm. to teach high school. And so um, as, you know, the teaching went on, eventually that transitioned somehow into ministry and leadership. I ended up getting ordained and leading a church for a wow. number of years. Um, and so in all of that, I just really had this heart for um, leadership and growing as a leader. And then as I began networking outside of my church more, I realized how many leaders are underdeveloped and under-resourced. Mm. And I realized how privileged I was mm. to be brought up in an organization that valued leadership and wow. valued and affirmed my voice and really wanted to raise that up in me. And I just said, I have to give this back. I have to give this mm. back to other leaders who haven't had that privilege, whose voices have been marginalized, whose leadership hasn't been affirmed. And so it's really this weaving together. I feel like my life has been a lot of different threads of leading and discovering my own voice and teaching. And all of that has just kind of woven together into this passion and this vision for what would it look like to make sure that, you know, no other leader has to have their voice silenced and discredited. Yeah, that really hits me. I I connected with you at the Azer Collective yep. that Joe Saxton leads. And one thing I've continued, one way that you've continued to impact me is that we met briefly at that coffee hour. And mm -hmm. we weren't in the same original group, but yet you pulled me aside, you listened to my story, and we were able to connect more more than that as the weekend went on. And then since then, we haven't been in contact all the time, but you've continued to believe in me. Mm. And I think the fact that someone outside of my community saw gifts in me and was willing to encourage me at various times was really key. And so that's something I know Maggie and I are really passionate about doing here. And I'm, yeah, I, I mean, it's greatly impacted my life. That's awesome. And I think that's, that's really encouraging. And that blesses me to hear because that's one of the things that I wanted to be able to give back because I had people who did that all along my journey who looked at me and said, I see something in you. I want to affirm that I want to acknowledge that I want to call that out and invest in it. And that's the one thing that I've said, I want to be able to do that because it was such a gift for me. So can I do that for others? That's incredible. And, and knowing that you are impacting even greater by helping leaders. One of the things I've noticed as in my own leadership journey is that without those people that are coaching, that are calling those things out in you, you're like a lone ranger mm -hmm. and, and you're having to figure out on your own and there's no reason to like reinvent the wheel. Like there are, there are 
greater systems at play for sure, but having like a mentor or a coach to come in there because you're really figuring out on our own. In, in some ways, I liken it to parenting. I tell this to my kids, like, this is actually my first time being a parent. Uh, I was not a parent before you guys. So like <laughs> still sorting it out. Yep. Um, and just knowing that like the growing never stops right. when you're a leader because there is so much changing in our culture and our society within the church and how it's continuing to try to be relevant that mm-hmm. without those coaches and leaders, you know, it leaves our leaders in a way that they are not set up to, to succeed. Like Absolutely. they're going to fail. Yeah. I really had to stop discrediting that calling too, mm-hmm. because, you know, I don't, especially as a public educator. So, you know, formerly I used to teach high school and you've probably heard before the saying that those who can't do teach. Yes, I've And so that. for the, and it's the worst thing we could ever possibly <laughs> say, but that was for a long time, what made me discredit what I felt like my calling was. And I oh. thought, well, I should be doing more. I should mm. be starting organizations. I should be planting churches. I should be out there doing something to actually yeah. actively end human trafficking. And I had to get to the point where I realized my actual call and gifting is to teach others, is to lead leaders in the visions and the passions that they have. And so I had to stop discrediting what I was doing and feeling like, oh, well, it's not enough because I'm not actually out there doing the work. I'm mm-hmm. just wanting to invest in the people that do the work. It feels like a cop out. Wow. But the reality is we we need those roles too. We need the people who will teach and coach and lead other leaders who do have the calling to actually do those things. And so if I can help set a foundation and build a platform that someone else can stand on Mm -hmm. and be seen and heard and do the thing that God has called them to do, then I have to know that there's enoughness in that. Yeah, that takes me back to our meeting at Azer. And Mm -hmm. I had never been interviewed for a newsletter before. No one had ever said, hey, I want to get your information. I want to talk to you. I value what you have to say. And I I was blown away by the request. I remember I got in and I sat there and I actually felt hot in my body. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) she's asking me. And and then and then when someone calls you out, like when you when you called me out, then I had to make a decision to trust. I had to trust hope. I had mm-hmm. to anticipate that something good could come out of it. And and that's kind of like, that's a little bit of what we talked about earlier, just this conversation that faith is believing in what's happened in the past and hope is anticipation in the future because you know what happened in the past. Yeah. And that creates a greater capacity to love. Mm-hmm. And so you're calling out hope in me and knowing what God had done me before has created a greater capacity for me to imagine and to love and that that effect keeps rippling it's been imperfect for me at times and a struggle and and honestly not knowing what to do for Mm -hmm. next steps and so that's one reason I'm really inspired about some of your next steps do you want to say a little bit about what that is? It's exciting. Yeah. So I have a podcast that's launching in the new year. I've been meeting with a bunch of uh, guests and, and doing some recording. And the whole overarching question is, what do you bring to the table? Mm. Because everybody's got a voice and everybody has something to contribute and everybody has something valuable to say. And I've just... Um, I've had the blessing of being connected to a lot of really amazing leaders. Um, it helps that I'm a hopeless extrovert and I could make friends with a rock. <laughs> and so I, you know, just meet these people and get to hear their stories and get to say, Hey, come share the wisdom and the the tips that you have with our listeners. Um, but the table leadership podcast will be launching in cool. the new year in January. And then we're going to be offering online, um, courses. We'll have extended courses. Uh, and so those will be, you know, six to 10 weeks on, 
what strategic planning, developing rhythms of rest, things like that. And then we're also going to offer intensive. So those will be like one day a month on a Saturday, two to three hours. And we'll have intensive because the biggest thing is I want to make leadership development affordable and accessible. Mm. There's tons of stuff out there. You know, there's books and there's coaching and there's conferences and there's college classes you can take. But for so many leaders who are really in the thick of it, it's not affordable. It's not accessible. They don't have the finances for it. They don't have the time to leave the active leadership role that they have to go and pursue these things. And so, you know, my heart was just, let's make it affordable. Let's make it accessible and let's stop making leadership this elitist thing. Mm. And, and let's make it something that everybody has access to. I love that. I love that so much. I mean, that's, that is definitely on the heart of Danielle and I for this podcast, for our community mm-hmm. that, um, you know, things are not afforded to people based on their socioeconomic status, yep. the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. And so I love the idea that you are trying to level the playing field and, and, invite everyone to the table. Do you offer like scholarships? Like if someone wanted to attend one of your seminars or be a part of your online coaching, like we will definitely have a link in our, on our podcast, but what, tell us how, what that would look like for someone who can't afford to get your coaching. Absolutely. So part of the registration is always um, scholarships. And so if somebody says, hey, I really want to be part of this, but I honestly just cannot afford it. Part of why we have people give and contribute and subscribe to what we're doing is so that we can offer those scholarships and so that we can offer discounts on coaching and things like that. And I'll say oftentimes too, you know, there's a lot of trading that happens. We have people that say, you know, hey, I would love to be part of this, but I can't pay you in money for it right now but the currency get that. Yeah. The, the currency that I bring to the table is XYZ mm-hmm. and we're able to say well great let's partner because this is not the table team as the people who know the things distributing that to everyone else it's a collaboration and mm-hmm. everybody that comes to the table has equal value and equal worth and equal gifts to offer and we're all gifted in different ways and so if there's part of our gifting that you need that we can give to you and you can share part of your gifting with us, then great. Let's make that work. Everybody on my team right now, um, that's how it's working. They uh, were interested in coaching because they're building their own things and they have their own calling and vision. And we said, great, well, you've got practical skills that you can lend. And so come be part of the team and you lend your skills and gifts and I'll coach you in return. And together we're going to build something really amazing. And so that same offer is absolutely out there for anybody that wants to come pull up a seat. Wow. That, that blows me away. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we live in a culture where even though there are so many resources, there's an idea that there's scarcity. Mm. And I think I fall victim to that too. Yeah. Yeah. If I I have to grab something because I might lose it. Right. And I think too, we forget that um, when when you talk about the capital that we have to invest, that um, in when you look at the ministry of Jesus and you look at the kingdom of God, that financial capital is actually the lowest on the list. There's this great book, 3DM Ministries puts it out mm-hmm. um, and it's called Oikonomics and it talks about the five capitals. And so there's financial capital that we have, which in our Western culture, that's what we value the most is financial capital. Sure. Mm-hmm. But then there's relational capital, there's physical capital, there's spiritual capital, and there's intellectual capital. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how the kingdom of God actually turns it on its head Mm -hmm. and how Jesus valued spiritual and relational more than anything else. But we're so trained in our Western culture mindset to value financial capital over everything that we fail to recognize. I actually have some relational or intellectual capital that I could invest into this opportunity Mm -hmm. in, in order to actually get what I need to get the return that I need out of it. And so there's lots of capitals that we have to invest. 
Wow, Maggie, what are you thinking about that? I just love how, um, as you were talking about the different w- capitals, things you can invest, how Jesus always is the other way. Yep. It's backwards of what we think. It's mm-hmm. counterintuitive. It's countercultural. And with Jesus, it's always the other way. And thank God. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Because then it really is everyone's invited to the table. Mm-hmm. Everyone, um, everyone's voice matters. Yep. Um, that I love, I love that the relational and spiritual part are, are the highest capital honesty that you can give to someone because that's where your heart is, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So one of the things I was thinking about um, is how do you balance the work and family life? So you're, you also homeschool your kids. I do. She brought her three kids here. It yes. was awesome. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she is a boss lady. And how do you do it? That's what we all want to know. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I ask myself that every day. Like, how am I going to do this? But <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you asked yourself that question. I, yeah, I that makes do. Me feel I have to yeah. constantly figure that out. Um, but no, I think there's a few things that are really important to us. And so one is um, rhythms over balance. I don't mm. believe in balance. We believe in, in having rhythms. Um, wow, it comes really back good. to rhythms and values. Because when you're talking about the idea of balancing something, you always have to give and take. Something mm-hmm. is always getting and something is always losing. Whereas with the idea of having family rhythms, everybody's part of that. And so as a family, you know, homeschooling is not for everyone. We choose to do it because yeah. it affords mm-hmm. us the lifestyle that we want. We have freedom mm-hmm. and flexibility mm-hmm. um, and we get to make our own schedule. And we just really value that with the work that I do. Um, but a huge part of that is our family value of that, you know, we are a family on mission. It's not compartmentalized. We're doing this together. And That's so good. a huge part of our value you is, you know, we're raising our kids to understand, you know, what does it mean for me to be part of your life, but also for you to be part of mine. Mm. And there's going to be times where you're independent. There's going to be times where my focus is hundred percent on you. There's going to be times where you're going to be helping out with the younger siblings, because this calling that we're pursuing, it's not just mommy's calling. Yeah. It's, it's for That's all of so us good. because God blesses our entire family through it. And so there's an expectation that everybody contributes to it. And so it's just, it comes down to the way that we raise our kids. Um, as far as having them involved in everything. But the other thing, you know, to answer, how do you do it is I don't do it all. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that I intentionally do not do. Um, there's lots of rhythms and layers added into our life. Mm -hmm. And I love, uh, Joe Saxton, good friend of mine Mm -hmm. and mentor told me years ago, you know, she said some layers will be bought in and some will be brought in. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of layers added into our life relationally. Mm -hmm. Um, had a lot of young college students that we've had relationships with that will mentor and who in exchange will help out. They'll travel with us. Sometimes they help out with the kids, babysit for date nights. Um, and then sometimes too, some layers are bought in. Like there was a season where, uh, we paid for house cleaners and we said, you know what, we're making the, the sacrifice in our budget to pay for this because that's, what's going to make us survive right now. So the question from season to season is always, what are we being called to? What are the things that only we can do? And what are the things that anyone else can do? And do we need to buy in some layers? Do we need to bring in some layers? And do we need to readjust our rhythms? And we're just constantly reassessing what that looks like and adapting as we go and falling on our faces sometimes and and having to make changes and um, apologize to the kids when we screw it up. Mm. But yeah. 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 Yeah, The idea of bringing in or bringing in or buying in, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm caught on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely places where it's valid to say, you know what, we're going to invest financial capital into this because it's the best way to meet this need in our family. So like when we had 
housekeepers. Mm -hmm. There was actually a local organization uh, that rescued women from um, domestic violence and abuse. And one of the ways that they helped them get back on their feet was they employed them in this company that did okay. housekeeping. Incredible. And so I said, you know what? That's a, if I'm going to invest my financial capital anywhere, it's mm -hmm. going to be into a company like this. Mm -hmm. Obviously in turn, they're helping out because the one thing that mommy can't do right now is keep the house clean. And yeah. we had the financial capital to invest in that season. Praise God. It's been a seasonal thing. Um, and I had to be okay with that. You know, I mm -hmm. had to get over the thing for me, especially as a woman was getting over the wonder woman mindset. Of, yeah. It makes me less of a woman. Like I'm not enough as a mom, as a wife, as a woman, whatever, if I can't lead the church and homeschool my kids and keep my house clean. <laughs> like, no, that's crap. You know, yeah. I, I can't do all of it. And so being able to let go of that and recognize some things are going to be bought in and, but then there's relational spiritual capital mm -hmm. too. So when I'm mentoring and pastoring and discipling you, that's not a compartmentalized one hour a week meeting at Starbucks. That's not how Jesus did discipleship. Mm. Discipleship is life on life. So wow. come and follow me. And as That's I'm good. discipling you, um, you're going to come, you know, help me drop my kids off at karate practice. And we're going to sit there and we're going to talk <laughs> because that's what relational discipleship looks like. I love that. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I want that for myself and for my kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I, I'm thinking about in the summer, my husband was in a car accident and mm -hmm. we needed help mowing the lawn. I remember thinking, I, I got to get to the lawn. I got to get to the lawn. I got to get to the lawn. And I kept looking at it grow and yep. grow and grow and grow. And finally I was like, Danielle, you're not going to get to the lawn. Mm -hmm. Just come to a reality check. Yeah. So I reached out to like three different people and two of them said, yeah, I'll come mow your yard. And then someone else said, hey, I'll come weed your garden. Mm -hmm. And and then I brought them food. I ordered pizza. Yep. Mm. And it didn't feel like this. I think at the beginning, I thought it was going to feel humiliating. Mm -hmm. And Danielle, you're home. You're not working full time. Why can't mm. you mow the lawn? Oh, that voice. But really, I couldn't mow the lawn. Right. Yeah. It was like one extra thing. I was struggling to maintain the house and keep the kids. I wanted to be engaged with the kids because I'm in school full time. Right. And the summer I had off. And so mowing the lawn was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's good to hear someone else verbalize that for me. Absolutely. Just like kind of talk through that process because I think a lot of times we're in our homes and we're having these internal battles mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we don't have anybody verbalizing it for us. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that concept really helps. Yeah, the, the layer thing for sure, because it's giving you permission and even yes. like you said, seasonally to decide, well, this season in my life, you know, it gives you freedom. This season in my life, I do, I do, I need to buy some help with cleaning the house or mm -hmm. babysitting the kids, knowing that there are other times where you're going to bring the layer mm -hmm. and to others, which I loved about, mm -hmm. you know, Danielle's mowing lawn story that like it allowed others to bring something to yep. the table and layers for you uh, in a season that you needed it. Yeah. yeah. That individualized Western culture that we live in, uh, it completely erases the idea of community and tribe. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we were designed for. You know, like what yeah. has been, what has God been doing from the very beginning of time? Building a family. Mm -hmm. But so often we don't put ourselves into a family mentality. It's all me and I. And so when we actually build our tribe and exist in community, the way that God called us to, it's amazing. Everybody does bring gifts and we get to validate and affirm one another and contribute to one another there's growth by sharing those gifts with each other. And what a blessing it is when someone is able to do that for us and we're able to do it in return. And I love what you said about having permission. I 
always one of the the questions that I ask leaders all the time is what do you need to give yourself permission to do? Mm -hmm. You know, what are the places where you feel like, oh, you know, I'm not sure if I can step in there or use my voice or Mm -hmm. act as a leader. Like, okay, let's just understand that God has given you permission. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of that, what are the things you need to give yourself permission not to do? Like I need to give myself permission to start the dang podcast and permission to (laughs) not have a home cooked, you know, fresh, hot, meal on the table every night like you know what frozen friday is a thing in our house Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. because that's one of the rhythms (laughs) that allows mommy to do the things that god has called her to do yeah yeah that's so good i think i think uh the the thing that i gravitate towards is the permission to say no to things yes i am a a yes sayer i am Mm -hmm. a doer and i feel good doing also until it's too much good (laughs) in that you have overbooked your schedule to where you're not able to be present anymore or that you you have just stacked in such a way that you are actually taking away I mean that's really what happens when you when you stack like that it requires um something else of you mm-hmm. that you can't give and mm-hmm. this is going to sound crazy but last year for Lent I gave up saying yes yeah to that's things. so cool yeah and I spent those 40 days saying I'm so sorry I can't do that right now or, um, you know, ask me again in a couple of months or whatever. And I just felt such freedom yep. knowing mm-hmm. that uh, my relationships weren't going to be damaged because I said no. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still, I am not what I can produce, right. right? I am more than what I can produce that I have inherent value without doing things. And I was such, I was like a way better mom to my <laughs> kids. Yep. Knowing that I wasn't frantic around doing all the things. Right. Like what a gift. You should all say no to things. Yes. <laughs> Huge power in the yeah. word. Maggie, I think if you wrote about that, people would want to hear about yes. it. That yes, process. It's like post. super valuable. Absolutely. And yeah. I think too, what do they say? It takes 21 days to create a new habit or something. Yeah, something like so, that. I mean, you oh, went yeah. twice that for Lent. For sure. So there you go. The best, best way to build that into your life. Everyone give it up for Lent. To give it up for Lent. <laughs> Just give up saying yes to things. And everybody at church is freaking out right now. <laughs> right, right, exactly. They're like Danielle and Maggie and Sion promoted giving it up for Lent. Who's going to oh, do our Easter service? I know. Let's wait and see what happens. Yeah, let's wait. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I know it's like kind of a switching conversation, but I I didn't want to miss out talking with you on how you engage uh, the racial, um, the race conversation, how you engage Mm. white privilege, how you engage um, diversity and and creating communities that really cross these ethnic boundaries that our culture is set up for us to adhere to. Mm -hmm. I'm really inspired by it. And I'd kind of like to know how you're doing it. Mm. I feel like a lot of times I'm not doing it well enough because it's one of those things where there's never a point I think where we're going to be able to say, Oh, okay, we can dial that one back down. Now we've, we've, we've done good enough at that. You know, that's yeah. one that mm-hmm. it's a constant thing. And I think that is a place in my life that requires, and obviously, you know, we called to be humble in, in all things, but I think the place that requires me to humble myself the most is that one right there. Yeah. That is a place, um, when we talk about the racial reconciliation and, and crossing those, those boundaries and those borders and breaking walls down, that is the place where I have to be the learner and the mm. listener. I am not coming into these spaces as a leader. I want to hear what you have to say. I need to humble myself to really recognize um, my privilege and my perspective and my prejudice. And I have to intentionally actually recognize that I have that. I have to know that I have privilege, that it exists, that I have these innate prejudices. And I have to I have to grow an awareness of that, but I also have to be willing to say, I want to do something about it. Yeah. And 
And I want to be able to invest in that. Um, it's, it's not enough for me to say, oh yeah, I recognize that we really do have problems in our society. Mm -hmm. now, I have to recognize that there's a problem. I have to recognize that I have been a perpetuator of that problem. Mm -hmm. I have to recognize wow. that I have privilege that continues to add to the problem if I don't use it in the right way and yep. steward my privilege well, mm -hmm. and that it matters enough to me that I'm passionate about it to say, I will invest of my own time and my own resources in whatever way it takes to continue to learn and grow and build awareness. I think the biggest mistake that we make sometimes um, that the majority culture makes is to say that the whatever, you know, whatever the reconciliation is that's happening, that the minority culture, whether it's a racial thing or a gender thing or socioeconomic or whatever, that you owe us your story. Like mm, you yeah, owe us your scars dang. and you need to come teach us and you need to come train mm -hmm, us and mm -hmm. you need to, you know, come help coach us and grow us. And, and often there's no remuneration for that. Yeah. And I just think that's, I'm not going to cuss because <laughs> I probably oh, shouldn't do that. Yeah. But it's just such BS, you yeah. know? Mm -hmm. And and if I'm going to ask you to share your scars and share your story with me, first, we have to have a relationship. Yep. If yep. I don't have someone where we have a close enough relationship yep. that I can ask you about this, mm -hmm. you don't owe me anything. And yep. I think people of color need to hear that. Like, you don't owe anybody your story yep. for free. You don't owe anybody your scars. Mm -hmm. um, you don't owe anybody the work of training them and raising their awareness and breaking down their privilege and, and prejudice, we majority culture have to put that work in. We have to invest in that, read the books, go to the conferences, invest in the relationships, pay the consulting companies that will come in and actually help train you in this. Cause it mm -hmm. is a relational conversation, but it's also a professional thing too. Um, and so I don't know if that answered your question. It did. It be, and, and to sum it up for our listeners, like, we are not going to put the onus on people of color yes. to, to show us, to tell us, to teach us it's on us. Yes. And so we, as a, the majority culture, take it on ourselves to learn, to listen, to read, and to not put that back onto them. Like Exactly. Take our own ownership of yep. what that looks like. And if you're going to go into a situation where someone is willing to engage and teach you and train you and raise your awareness, then then just close your mouth. Yep. Just I shut your mouth and listen. <laughs> yeah. I think like I, I've had the privilege of walking into some situations. I think people view me, you know, I'm half Mexican, half German, and they think I'm more approachable because I'm, I look really white, mm -hmm. especially during the winter in Washington. <laughs> Most people pale out here. Yeah. Let's yeah. just be real. It's a thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I pale out. And so people feel, oh, Danielle's accessible. Let's meet with Danielle. And even me, I have a war inside of me. Mm -hmm. And so I'll meet with someone and they'll say, hey, I'm interested. How did you come to know what you want to know? And they may buy me a coffee or something. And then I don't hear back from them. Yeah. And, and my temptation is to like, okay, maybe I need to do that for free. Mm. Maybe I need to offer more of that. Mm. May, they really need this. They express some interest. And I think the bait is out there for me. It's part of my privilege. And mm. it's part of my like desperation mm -hmm. and feeling like I got, I need to do something, like compelled to do something that sometimes I will try to focus it in that kind of area without yeah. really crediting myself. And also I fall into the trap of feeling like I can, I can do something about this on right. my own and I can't. No, yeah. 
They have to be willing. You've planted a seed, but they have the other side. The other party has to be willing to say, I recognize what I need to do here. And I'm taking responsibility for that. And it's hard to see people walk away. You know, I always think about, um, Jesus and the rich young ruler who came and said, what do I have to do to enter the kingdom of heaven? That's right. right. And he Preach says, it. sell Preach. everything you own Preach. and give it to the yeah. poor. And, and he turns around and he walks away. And yep. I honestly think, I'm sure that it broke Jesus's heart. I think yep. every person that walked away broke his heart because he knows what they need, but we didn't see him lower the cost. Yep. He did not lower the cost of entering the kingdom of heaven. He did not change um, the expectation and he didn't go running after him and say, okay, okay, well, let's talk about this. Let's make it easier. How much can you, give? how much can you do? <laughs> yep. You know, yeah. he said, no, this is what it is. This is what it looks like. So, yeah, I think, and I wrote an essay about that, um, fighting through the eye of the needle. And my point yes. was, can the church give up power, privilege, economic status, mm-hmm. um, political capital? Can they give up actually the oh. capitals you're talking about in order to embrace marginalized cultures and yep. cultures that Jesus originally went after? Yeah, Jesus exactly. came and he broke the norm and he's inviting us into this relationship. But can the mm-hmm. church pass through the eye of the needle? And when you know, and then G- and then the disciples say, but Jesus, this is impossible. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but with me, all things are possible. Mm-hmm. And that actually gives me the chills to think that, yes, it's impossible on our own. Like it's impossible for me, you, Maggie, mm-hmm. people who are listening, but it's not on our own strength. Yeah. Right, absolutely. And I think we never arrive. The, the one thing that I have to constantly keep telling myself, no matter how long I have been in the conversation or doing the work and learning and, and, you know, recognize my own privilege is there's always going to be more for me to learn. Mm. I'm never going to get to the mm-hmm. point where I can say, yes, I have mastered the art of racial reconciliation. Mm. I have fully, you know, healed all the wounds that I need to heal in relationships. Like, no, I'm constantly learning there. And I have to remember that that needs to be the posture that my heart is always in is I have more to learn and I have more listening to do. Yeah. I'm blown away. Yeah, this has been like a phenomenal conversation. It's been awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we want to do this again. Totally. Yeah, for sure. I would love to. As we're wrapping up, um, we'll do like a, kind of a quick sh- quick question and answer. Um, mm-hmm. Like, what are you reading right now? Mm-hmm. What's inspiring you right now? And what was our third question? Like, again? who's speaking into your life? Who's speaking into your life? So those yeah. quick three ones. So totally. what are you reading? What's right. inspiring you? And who's speaking into your life? Okay, so what I'm reading right now, um, and I, oh, readers are leaders, right? And leaders mm-hmm. are readers, and I absolutely love this. So right now I'm reading The Culture Map mm-hmm. by Erin Myers. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. It's actually a business book. Okay. Um, but what she talks about with uh, cultures and understanding and communication and working together, it's, it's fantastic. There's so much that I was able to apply to the work of reconciliation. So The Culture Map by Erin Myers. Um, Stay Curious by Steph O'Brien, my good Yay, friend Steph's woo-woo. new book. So that one's fantastic about how curiosity and questions can save your faith. Mm. Um, And then I'm also reading um, Paul Behaving Badly. It's Mm. the same guys that wrote Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes. So both of those I would recommend. Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes. Sounds good. Fantastic. Don't realize how much we've colonized the gospel until you read that book. We're going to preach on that later. So (laughs) that one is huge. And so they wrote a second one called Paul Behaving Badly, basically looking at all these places in Scripture and answering the question, was the Apostle Paul a racist chauvinist? jerk and uh, yeah it's good I want to read that one so good so that's what I'm reading right now um what's inspiring me oh my goodness honestly right now it's relationships Mm -hmm. it's seeing God's 
faithfulness at work as I've stepped out into these things that he called me to. You know, I came out of this, um, a lot of changes, a lot of pruning in our life, a very long extended kind of abiding wilderness season Mm -hmm. with all of these promises like lingering in the background. And we've just walked into a place of growth and fruit and seeing how when we step out in obedience, God meets that with faithfulness and provision. Mm -hmm. And so we've taken some major leaps of faith in our family recently and, and a lot of it having to do with me stepping out and some of the things that God's been calling me to. And honestly, I've just been inspired by God's faithfulness in that and in some of the relationships that he's brought. He has brought relational and financial capital to us in response to our obedience and um, just seeing how God's using people is amazing. Wow. And then who what was the last one? Who's speaking into my who's life? Yeah, right who's now? speaking your into your life. Mm. So, um, so Joe Saxton is a good friend and mentor of mine, um, who just continues to challenge every time I think like she can't challenge me more. Um, she brings just more really good challenge and invitation, mm. you know, into my life. Um, and then my pastor, we just moved to the East Bay area of San Francisco okay. in June. And so God planted us in this community full of really wise experienced older leaders who have just been pastoring us. Um, and you know, every pastor needs a pastor. And so after such a long season of leading, it's really sweet to be in a nurturing Mm. space. And so, um, my pastor and Joe and lots of podcasts. So, you know, lots of podcasts are speaking into my life, you know, (laughs) in kind of indirect, indirect ways. Love Joe and Steph's, uh, Mm. what they're doing. My friend, um, Angie has the retreat house podcast. That's one that I listen to a lot. Obviously love what you guys are doing. So just getting rolling. Thanks for coming. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, and I, I just, you know, Sion, it's been a blessing to know you mm-hmm. and you. continue to have ongoing relationship feels like a real privilege and an honor. And I'm glad you met Maggie and we're all Me three too. here together because this is really special for me. It's like coming like more to my home, like you're in my hometown. Yeah. What's the chances of that? It's good. Awesome. And so I want to wrap up and say thank you for listening to the Rise podcast with Maggie Hemphill and Danielle Castillejo. And you're going to find info for the table leadership team, Sion Egerton's information, her website, how to reach out, how to get involved in her leadership ministries. And if you have more questions for Maggie and I, reach out to our website or email us and we'll be happy to get in touch. Thank you.